share something God's been ministering to her. Would you come and listen? Let's give her a hand. up in the garden is a special song for me and the Lord so thanks for singing that um, so several weeks ago the Lord started speaking to me both about myself as an individual and a little bit about the body of Christ um, the first vision I received in my mind's eye was of Christ emerging from the wilderness and the closer I looked at him, the more I could see he was actually made up of individual people, the body of Christ. I was reminded of the passage in Luke 4 where it says that he went into the wilderness full of the Holy Spirit, but he emerged in the power of the Holy Spirit and spread a new spread of him into Galilee and into the whole countryside. When he emerged from the wilderness in my mom's eye, he shot off like a rocket with a sonic boom that could not be ignored or denied. A couple of weeks ago, the Lord started speaking to me about Christ washing his disciples' feet. He stated in John 13 that their bodies were already clean, but that their feet needed cleaning from walking around in the dust of the world. As I thought about this, he reminded me that our souls can get dirty out in the world and that as we wash each other's feet when we meet together, as I was asking him how we do that, he reminded me of Ephesians 5, where husbands are instructed to love their wives as Christ did, including cleansing her through the water, washing through the word of God, as well as we're instructed to speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs of the Spirit. I felt strongly confirmed in my spirit how very important it is for God's people not to forsake meeting together and cleansing each other in this way. A few days later after that, I had a dream where my entire house was completely wiped out of everything in it except for a new pair of running shoes and a safe that contained a gun, some ammo, and some cash. Every wall, every cabinet, every surface in the house was pure white and empty. There was a receipt on the counter for a fresh order of groceries that I could go pick up. I felt the Lord was telling me that I'd been purified and filled with his peace, his provision, and his authority. The cleansing, which I at first perceived as a robbery, was a purification that made it easier for me to perceive my mission, find my shoes, and see my own purity that he created in me. Then last week, here during worship, he showed me a large sparkling diamond. At first I thought he was showing me that I'm a precious diamond to him. He was, but he said it's much bigger than that. A diamond is created when a collection of carbon atoms crystallize while under intense heat and pressure, usually underground in complete darkness. Crystallization happens when molecules become very organized, creating a solid, rock-hard object. A diamond is considered more valuable when it is free from flaws and blemishes. Its sparkle actually increases as it is strategically cut to increase the way that the light reflects off its surfaces as it moves in the light. When a diamond is pure and strong, it is extremely hard and it can be used as a tool for cutting, grinding, polishing, and protecting surfaces. 
Then the meaning for me was all confirmed and solidified when a ring that was lost in the ladies' restroom was brought up front to find its owner. I imagine you're probably beginning to see what the Lord may be saying to you individually or us corporately, and he'll definitely show us each more as we ask him. But I'm here today to share a bit about my personal revelation that I believe he gave to me. He has been stripping away things that distract and hinder me, things that I thought mattered, things that I cared about and thought I needed, and many were actually good things. He's been showing me that everything I fully give to him, he actually gives back to me in a pure, more purposeful and better way in his perfect timing. The things he does not give back to me are things that may bog me down, hinder me, hinder my progress, my peace, and my relationship with him. He's been showing me that my personal purity and clarity are integral to my contribution to the entire diamond of the body of Christ. He wants me to learn to continue to walk in purity, continually, in tune with his Holy Spirit. My biggest battleground has always been my thought life and my feelings this last year more than ever. Last year, almost a year ago, I used the song that we actually just sang, Refiner, as a prayer. And he asked me, are you sure that's what you really want? Because fire can be uncomfortable. And I told him, I have no choice, your life. Like, I want what you want. There's nothing else that I want and nothing better. I've learned in an even more concrete way that my feelings are often unreliable and frequently not even my own. They can be lies. Same with my thoughts. My fleshly thoughts are unreliable and often not my own. The Lord has been teaching me how I can stay pure longer by noticing unfruitful thoughts and feelings earlier on and throwing them away by replacing them with the truth that lasts forever from his word. It's a struggle and a battle, but I feel like he's showing me how to fight the way he wants me to. He's strengthening me and building me up. The great thing about the carbon and the diamond is that it's the pressure and the heat that purifies. The carbon doesn't have to struggle alone to be purified. There are multiple pieces in the carbon, and they all join together. I just have to continually surrender to him and keep allowing him to process me and to listen and obey him, even when it's super uncomfortable. That's a good word, Alyssa. Amen. Thank you. Many of you have been under pressure. You know, pressure produces power. Don't waste it. It's not comfortable, but it's good. If the Holy Spirit is the governor of the pressure in your life. Amen? And my uh, iPad is misbehaving. Hang on. Okay, um, by the way, happy Valentine's Day to you all. It's today. Today's the day. So, um, I'm not sure what all that means. 
but it's a day celebrating love, and that can be a good thing, right? Um, it's important for us to realize that restrictions in our culture and restrictions in traveling and doing some things that we'd like to do have not shut down the kingdom. The kingdom is going on regardless. It never stops. And uh, in Isaiah chapter uh, 40, verse 31, it says, Those who wait on the Lord will renew their strength. They'll mound up with wings as eagles. They'll run and up, be weary. They'll walk and not faint. Um, times of waiting are designed to be times of gathering strength. Those who wait on the Lord will renew their strength. And I remember that uh, there were times, and I still have moments now. Amanda says amen. When waiting on the Lord would put me into a stressful state. And by the time I was done waiting, I would have worn myself out in the waiting. So I, so I missed out on something significant that God wants to do in our lives while we're waiting on the Lord, and that is renewing our strength, regathering our strength. It's important to the Lord that we take the opportunities to rest when we need to rest. In fact, he built it right into the order of things from the beginning that we rest uh, one day out of every week. And whether you're under old covenant law or not, that's still a principle that will apply to everybody's life, that you're actually more productive and more fruitful when you set aside time to rest. But times of anxiety are not times uh, that are restful. And so you can not be doing anything and be full of anxiety and you completely miss the opportunity to gather your strength for the next launching. Um, the implication is that you're gathering strength to soar higher, to go to a new place after the time of waiting. When we get anxious, it's probably because we think God forgot about us in the waiting, and he never has. It's always strategic with him. He never does anything without a purpose. You, you hear people say, well, it's hell in the hallway. Well, it depends on what, you're, what you make your hallway look like. I've seen some really nice looking hallways. There are times of transition. There should be times of anticipation of what's ahead. Times of gathering strength, times of being refreshed, times to imagine what the Lord may have waiting for you in the next room, right? But if you wear yourself out while you're waiting, you're probably losing out on the grace that's available during that time. So when the shutdowns, the lockdowns, the travel restrictions are over, you know, and I'm, I'm, I've kind of been chomping at the bit myself because I haven't been to Peru in a month. A month. <laughs> I haven't been to Peru in a year, almost. And, and I haven't been able to go. Usually I go three, four, five times a year, and I have family down there. I have, you know, th 
things down there that really need me to be there for, you know? And I can't, and I can't go. So I'm, I've been as uh, anticipatory for what's coming next as anybody, but I'll tell you, uh, I'm trying to take advantage of the season that I'm in for the time that I'm in, knowing that when God opens the door, I want to be ready to launch into a new place. Amen? And a new grace. Um, so when it's over, we need to be ready for unprecedented action. Psalm 125.1 says, Those who trust in the Lord shall be as Mount Zion, which cannot be moved but abides forever. As the mountains surround Jerusalem, so the Lord surrounds his people from this time forth and forever. Trust, faith, they kind of wrap around the same spiritual value is a vital foundation stone that enables us to stand in the midst of adversity. History is full of stories of powerful people who walk through great adversity in triumph. In fact, you can read through the uh, Hebrews 11 and you can read references to many of them in Scripture who uh, some of their greatest moments were in the times of greatest adversity. I've been around people and traveled with people and, and, and experienced adventures with people enough to know that, that uh, times of adversity are going to bring out the best in people and bring out the worst in people. You find out what's really there when adversity comes. Right? So it reveals our strengths, it also reveals our weaknesses. History is full of these stories. And uh, they, their trust, these guys and girls who had these powerful shining moments when they're in, in adversity, their trust in God is what empowered them. You know, the other foundation stones in Hebrews 6 wouldn't hold together without faith. Repentance from dead works and then faith in God. Hebrews 6 2. Psalm 125 is one of those songs that they would sing as they were going up to Mount Zion in Jerusalem during an annual pilgrimage to worship at the temple. And as they were walking, they would literally see this object lesson around them and they would sing these psalms of ascent. And this is one of them. So they would literally sing about uh, those who trust in the Lord are going to be as Mount, as Mount Zion as they were going up to Mount Zion. And the Lord surrounding Jerusalem like he surrounds his people as they were uh, looking at the mountains that were surrounding them. And so this was a living parable for them as they were singing this on their pilgrimage. And uh, the mountains surrounding Jerusalem... Is, is how God envelops us on every side. You might say, well, it sure doesn't feel like it because I, I took a real hit recently, this, that, or the other. Well, the Lord never said that fiery darts would never hit us. What he did say was that we can quench them all through faith. 
You know, if God protected us from all adversity all the time, we wouldn't get very tough, would we? You know, I get people coming around sometimes and say, how can you stand living in a place where there's so much oppression? I'm like, I don't feel oppression here. Because I'm called and anointed to be here in the midst of oppression. And for me, this is where God is. You know, you go to the gym to exercise and what happens? You are doing resistance training. And, and oppression and adversity really is, our, uh, ex- is exercise equipment in God's gym. To bring us to strength. Because, like scripture says, if you can't uh, run with a footman, how are you going to, what are you going to do when the horsemen show up, you know? And uh, if you can't keep up with the footmen. So, so we really need to learn to stand up in the midst of adversity and become warriors and to fight. Um, from now on, he says, this is a, so this is the truth that will never change. The Lord surrounds his people from henceforth even forever, always. God will never abandon you. He will abandon you. He will never not be surrounding you. He will never not be fighting for you. He's always there for you. I say, well, I don't feel him. Well, that's where trust comes in. Because we don't walk this journey through feelings. We walk it through faith. So that every, in, in every one of our journeys, there has to come a moment. And for me, it was a moment. For some of you, it may be a process. But for me, it was a moment where I decide that no matter how I feel, I'm moving forward in faith because of what I know. The truth that I know is greater than what I feel. Verse 5 says, Blessed is the man whose strength is in you, whose heart is set on pilgrimage. There's a special blessing to the believer whose heart is set on a journey. The word pilgrimage in the Hebrew there is literally a word that is used for building up a road. In other words, you embrace the road, you embrace the journey. You know, if, if, if you came into this Christian life thinking that God's going to make you comfortable as you sit in one spot and you're always going to stay the same. I'm not talking about geographically. I'm talking about staying static in a place where, okay, God's going to make me comfortable and safe so I can stay right where I'm at. You're missing out on a whole lot of adventure that God has for you. You were never called to be a comfortable person staying in one place. We're called to a life of pilgrimage, and when we embrace the journey, there's a special blessing that's released, a special grace that comes with it to, to accompany us on the journey. Uh, and, and like I said, it's not necessarily a physical journey, but it, uh, it, it is a spiritual one, but it can also include a, uh, a physical one. So years ago, I was uh, serving a, another pastor in, in Northern Virginia. This is way back. Uh, in uh, 94 and 95 and I heard about a revival that broke out in Toronto and I heard some, a lot of stories about it and 
you know, there's a lot of controversy over it, and as there always is when a revival breaks out. Well, did you hear what's going on over there? That kind of thing. And, uh, but I started getting hunger to go. And then the Lord started speaking to me and, uh, about going and, and asked me if I would go. At the same time, there was a revival going on in Pensacola, Florida, Brownsville uh, Church down there. And, uh, but the Lord just, just put on my heart to go to Toronto. So I told some, said something to the pastor I was serving who was a little more old school and traditional, you know. He's like, I don't know. I heard some strange things going on up there. And I said, well, this is what the Lord told me. He said, there's a spiritual feast of tabernacles going on in Toronto. And if I go celebrate what he's doing there, that I'm going to get rain on my own land back home. It's okay, go. So I did. And I, and I walked into the place and encountered the presence of the Lord. And were there a lot of strange things going on? Yeah, there were. But I was having an encounter with the Lord. The presence of God was so thick in the place. I was wandering around after one of the meetings during ministry time. And I just kind of was drawn to a, a specific place. So I went and and sat down and just started praying in the spirit. And, uh, and to my surprise, there was a lady right in front of me, in a, and I never talked to her, never shook hands with her, nothing. But as I was sitting there praying in the spirit, she was delivered of at least nine demons, or I said nine, at least seven demons that I saw coming out of her. Nobody touched her, nobody prayed for her. Open, you know, that she knew about. I was just there praying in the Spirit and watching her be delivered. But that was how heavy the presence of God was in the place. And because, uh, I believe because I've been faithful to follow my hunger, the Lord's been faithful to pour out His Spirit on my, on my land and, uh, and bring us into times and seasons of refreshing. Uh, by the way, all the weird stuff that goes on during revival, you know, Scripture says that it rains on the just and on the unjust. You know, and, and after the rain, if you try to hold the rain back because some weeds are going to grow up, you're going to miss the rain that you need to grow a good crop. Right? The, 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 the same rain that feeds God's people also feeds everything because God is the only real life source. And so when God pours out his spirit, yeah, the weeds are going to come up too. And we learn how to deal with them biblically, but we don't, we can't, we don't want to hold the rain back or try to avoid coming into a downpour because we're afraid of the weeds. Amen? Um... Let me ask you something. Is there an I would never in your heart? God asked you to do something, go somewhere. Is there an I would never do that? Is, that? is there one of those in your heart? There's some things, there's some places I would rather not go. You know, like Antarctica. Siberia. You know, there's a few cold places I'd rather stay away from. 
But if the Lord ever told me to go somewhere, I would, I would obey. Because I know that there's something of favor that comes by walking in obedience to the Lord. That I, I, I want to get those I would nevers out of my heart when it comes to being obedient to the Lord. It demonstrates that I'm not okay staying where I am. Whatever it takes, I'm moving on to higher ground. I will never be satisfied with just maintaining my present level of maturity, intimacy, or usefulness to the one I serve. I'll never be okay doing that. I always want to experience more of his presence. I always want Jesus to reveal more of himself to me. I always want more of his nature in me. I want everything in me to be surrendered to him. I know that me bearing fruit brings glory to the Lord, and so I, always, I want to always be more fruitful than I am. Lord, I'm ready for another unexpected journey, another adventure. We tend to be like the hobbits. Adventure is an unpleasant, uncomfortable word. I want to stay where I am and be comfortable, right? Now, I want the blessing that the Lord gives to those who are on a journey, an adventure. Verse 6 says, as they passed through the valley of Baca, Baca means weeping. As they pass through the valley of Baca, they make it a spring. The rain also covers it with pools. I'm not even going to ask for a show of hands because I believe probably most of us or about all of us have gone through times where we've experienced loss where there's things that we've had to grieve, things that we had to leave behind. And the promise here is that that can become a life-giving place because we're just passing through. Now, if you set up camp there, it's not going to be a life-giving place for you. It's only going to be a place of loss. In other words, you can encamp around grief and loss to where you get stuck there and you never can move on past it. And I understand how hard it is sometimes to pull up stakes and move on and say, you know what? I'm going to make peace with what I lost and I'm going to move on because God's got more for me than what I'm leaving behind. So for us, it's a place of cleansing and refreshing. Alyssa was talking about things being removed that she thought were good, but there were things that she doesn't need for the next part of her journey. And sometimes God strips things from us that are baggage, that are weights. You know, Hebrews talks about us leaving behind the sin and every weight, the weight and every sin that it so easily besets us. So weights... You know, you would never run a marathon and try to carry 20 extra pounds with you. It's going to encumber you on your race. 
You can't finish well if you're carrying a whole bunch of baggage with you on a race. But when we go through a time of grief and loss, if we go through it with grace, that's when we reach out for the comforter. That's why it becomes a spring for us. That's why it becomes a place of refreshing because it's those times of loss when we really reach out for him where we experience the grace that only comes through the comforter ministering to us during those times. When you need comfort is when you get to know the comforter intimately. It says they go from strength to strength. Each one appears before God in Zion. And so as we embark on an adventure, when we embrace the journey that God has us on, we go from one level of strength to another level of strength to another level of strength. We should never be satisfied at the level where we're at. God always has more for Well, what if I get old? Well, I've got good news for you. Those who are planted in the house of the Lord. This is Psalm 92, 13. Those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of the Lord. And they shall still bear fruit in old age. Just because you're too old to have children in the natural doesn't mean that you're, you get to a place where you're a certain age and your fruitfulness is done in the kingdom. No. It continues to grow. It may look different. You know, we live in a culture today that does not value our older people. And it's very sad. We've replaced the real value that older bring, people bring to the culture with institutions. We want to get our old people out of sight. That's a grievous evil in the sight of the Lord. It's not okay. The older our, our seniors get, the more value they should have because we honor them and the wisdom that they carry and the things that they want to be. Inheritance is released through honor. And when we don't honor our older people, we lose what God wants to release to us from the older generation. But it says we should still be bearing fruit in our old age. When, when I'm past, uh, my wife and I are past childbearing age, we're coming into a time of grandparenting. That's a really important stage of life, both spiritually and naturally. Women are wired so that when they get past the childbearing stage of life, they enter into another one. We call it menopause or, or uh, midlife. But literally, they get rewired because they no lo longer need all the um, emotional equipping that they have during the time of raising young children. They don't need that nurturing, mothering thing in the same way. So they literally get rewired for in many cases, the most productive and fruitful time of their life. It's not intended to be a bad time. It's intended to be a powerful time, a good time. Guys need to go through something similar. And, and you know, I've gone through a rebirthing in, in, in my life in the past few years. And I've come out completely different than what I went in. And so the Lord retools us and prepares us for a whole new season of life of fruitfulness 
at a greater level. It's, it doesn't mean it's over. It means it's ready to begin again. There's a rebirthing, a relaunching into another fruitful season. These times are not meant to destroy us, although the enemy would love to use them to do that, but to birth us into a whole new version of ourselves. I'm not, I'm not saying that, I'm not just referring to menopause or a midlife thing here. I'm talking about times of loss that we all go through at different times of our life as well. Verse 8 says, O Lord God of hosts, hear my prayer. Give ear, O God of Jacob. Selah. Um, this morning as I was praying before um, I knew anything about what was going on here today or what God, I just really felt that the Lord wanted to minister to some hearts that have been devastated by deep loss and grief felt like there was going to be some people here today who've gone through a time of great loss that you didn't know if you'd ever recover from. And uh, I'm not talking about just a time of depression that everybody goes through. I'm talking about a time of such devastation that you didn't know if you'd ever recover from. And I really felt this morning the Lord wants to minister to some of you. Can we all just stand? If that's you, if you've gone through a debilitating time that has marked you, where it's hard for you to get past the grief, the trauma of what you've lost. I'm going to invite you to come to the altar and I just want to pray for you. God to bring you through this more powerful than you went into it. Into a new day. if you've gone through a time of devastating loss. This morning, we're just going to surrender that to the Lord and ask him to release some deep healing to our hearts.
The Lord is so close to those who have broken hearts. Okay, all of you who are at the altar, let's just open our hands. Jesus, you know what we've gone through. You know the pain. You know the trauma that we've experienced. You know the sense of loss that settled over us to where we didn't know if we'd ever recover. You know the grieving that's still there. And Jesus, today we choose to give that to you. Holy Spirit, we're asking you to come and to pour healing oil into those deep places of loss. That you would heal the grieving. That you would help us to make peace with what we lost. cause hope to come alive in our hearts again so that we can move into a new day. Now whatever it was for you, I just want you to give it to him. Could have been a relationship. Could have just, whatever it was. That you lost. Give it to him. Now, Jesus, we ask that you take what we lost and you submit it to the power of the cross for us. Because at the, tr- at the cross, you turn liabilities into assets. You turn tragedy into triumph. You turn grief into rejoicing. We don't know how you do that. But we ask that you would heal the brokenness in our hearts and to bring us to a time of resurrection. And wherever we've been stuck in our grief, in our loss, in our trauma we're asking that you unstuck us we're asking Holy Spirit that you begin to show us steps that we need to take to move forward again that you show us doors that are opening for us that you give us fresh opportunities and you would remove the sickness in our hearts that comes from deferred hope. 
and you would cause hopeful expectation to come alive in us again. If you would just put your hands on your heads and your forehead. Holy Spirit, I ask you to minister to me through dreams, through visions, through your word coming alive. I ask that you resolve the trauma that I've carried in my mind. That you reverse anything that's gotten stuck in my head that refuses to let go. That you'd release that in Jesus' name. That you'd show me once again who I am as your son or your daughter. And that you rebirth vision in my heart again and in my mind. In Jesus' name. Jesus, I'm going to trust that with you now. I'm asking you to heal me as I begin to take steps to move forward. In Jesus' name. Now I declare over all of you, it's not too late. It's not too late. There's a new day ahead for you. There's another season of fruitfulness ahead for you. I'm asking, Lord, that you take every every time of loss and grief and tragedy and you turn it into equity inside of us that we can help others be comforted in that very area. And I thank you, Jesus, for your faithfulness.